We're on page Kuf Lamed Vav, 136, two lines from the top. <coughs> We've just been speaking about the idea that for the klipa kadma lapri, that always the shell comes before the actual fruit. And like we said in many things, that first you have the certain prefaces that are not the main thing, but uh, first these these seemingly secondary things come first, and only then the true purpose comes out. Like when a person needs something from somebody, he, ask, he has to ask a favor from somebody else first. He has to first, before he actually tells him what he needs, he first talks with him about things which don't have anything to do with his actual request, just to, you know, kind of, I guess it's kind of like buttering him up or whatever, just a sweet talk type thing but and then eventually he gets to his main request and the whole idea of analogies is the same idea is the idea of the shell coming forth before the, the fruit the fruit because the, the main purpose the behind the analogy the main purpose is the analog which is coming through the analogy but in order to understand this the purpose the fruit so to say you have to first preface this shell of the of the analogy like the idea of the and the analogies of, of king king solomon uh, we brought some examples and the reason is because the intellect of a, a human intellect is very, very coarse, and it's impossible for it to understand the, you know, fine, the um, these very refined and abstract ideas without using physical analogies to understand them. And that's like the idea of the the klipa, the fruit coming before the, the the fruit and the shell. That the main purpose is the fruit, but never, nevertheless, in an order, it's impossible for the fruit to grow without the shell coming first. To protect it, and so too, it's impossible to reveal the intellect and the purpose of this this analog, the intellectual idea which you're trying to express, and you cannot express it unless you use the 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 an analogy, which is like the the shell. And when you understand the idea through the analogy, then you don't need the analogy anymore. You don't need the shell anymore. Just like after when you eat the fruit, you break the you break the shell and you throw away the shell. You can throw away the analogy after you understand the intellectual concept which was being expressed through it. And this is what this the the um, prophet says. Lift up your eyes and see who created these. Meaning that through seeing the physical um, heavens and the earth, you will understand. Also, it will be understood. Also, their source above that there are these physical the physical um, heavens and earth are just like a reflection and an analogy to understand the spiritual source of them. So two lines at the top now. Meaning to say, just like there are a physical heaven and earth, um, sky and the earth, there exist the same ideas in the spiritual source for the heavens and the earth, the sky and the earth. The sky, the sky refers to the a, um, supernal emotive attributes of Hashem, which is referring to chesed, or Zah, basically, Zerampi, which is the the Midois, the emotive attributes of Chesed to um, Yusoid. Basically, so that's the idea of the Shemaim. Why? Because Eish Umayim, because the, the, the actual word Shemaim, which is refers to the sky, the heavens, is made up of the two words, Eish and Mayim, uh, fire and water, which fire and water is always Chesed Gvura, is referring to kindness or love and severity and fear which those are the basic emotions. So Shemayim, which is made up of actual water and fire, um, of heat and cool water, and that's why the, the actual word to express the idea of uh, Shemayim, of sky, is Shemayim, is Asian Mayim together. So the Shemayim refers to the, is um, is a reflection, so to say, the spiritual source, which is the emotive attributes of Hashem. 
the Eretz and the Earth, who Bechinas Malchus is Malchus, which is the lowest of the ten spheres, um, kingship, which his whole purpose is just to be a conduit to bring down that energy from the higher spheres into the lower worlds. So what's the connection of the Earth to this lowest sphere of Malchus? Just like the, the physical Earth causes all different types of fruits to grow from it. Um, so that's that's similar and very close to the idea of of creation of something from nothing that's the whole idea also of the lowest sphere of the world of Atzilus the highest world is always the source of creating all of the creations of the lower worlds Malchus, like it says, Malchus Malchus Your kingship of the, is the kingship of all the worlds, implying an inner, deeper explanation means that Malchus is the source of creating all the creations in the lower worlds. It's the source of the divine energy which flows into all the creations in the lower worlds. So that's why, just like the physical earth causes all things to grow, which is similar to the idea of a creation of something from nothing, all of a sudden this beautiful fruit tree comes from a little nothing from the seed, from the earth. So too, Malchus, which is the lowest of ten spheres, which is called which is the, the basically the spiritual source for the earth that is what its whole purpose is is to create all the creations the lower worlds of Bia create um, the the creative world the created the creations of Bria Tirasia, which is like a, a creation of Yashmihain something from nothing because Atzilis even though it's a world but it's totally subsumed and absorbed and nullified in godliness and the world Bria which is, means creation is the first world where the a, a, the creations start feeling their own existence and just like the physical sky gives over, flows over energy and um, influences the earth, like how do we see that the sky influences the earth? When the like the verse says, when the when the rain will come down, and will quench the thirst, so to say, of the earth. Basically, when the when the rain will fall on the earth, So we see that the whole idea of the the physical sky. Gives a flow of influence to the earth by by um, giving it rain and causing things to grow, and that's what quenches the thirst of the earth, so to say. With the the physical earth, the the soil needs that rain. So too, in the spiritual source, the spiritual heavens, which refers to the the midas, the emotive attributes of the world of atzilus, and specifically, more specifically, the main two emotions, which are kindness and severity. They also give over a flow of divine energy into Malchus to the, the spiritual earth. Like the verse implies, all of the rivers flow into the Yam, into the sea, which rivers are referring to the emotive attributes, and they all flow, the energy from the emotive attributes flows down into the sea, which the sea refers to Malchus. Like it explains in other places that the sea, everything is hidden within the sea, and so too, that's the idea of Malchus which all the creations, the creative energies of the lower worlds, the creation of the lower worlds are still hidden within that source in Malchus. So now we're going back to this idea of the analogy just being a shell, so to say, for the, the inner purpose of the analogy, the intellectual concept you're trying to express through it, which is like a shell to the fruit. So the physical heavens and earth, they're just a... A analogy to the spiritual counterparts of the heavens and the earth, of the which is referring to the emotive attributes of the tzilis and malchus of tzilis. Which they have no comparison whatsoever to the physical heavens and the earth. They're just a analogy, like a shell to the to the fruit. It's just like the idea of an analogy that through these ideas of the physical heavens and the earth, you will be able to understand their inner 
their inner content and their spiritual source. But this, the physical heavens and earth have no comparison whatsoever to their spiritual source. They're just like an analogy to understand that source. But nevertheless, we see what comes first, just like what comes first in the shell or the fruit, the shell or the, the nut. It's always the shell comes first. So what comes first when we, we see the physical heavens and the earth, which is just the, that's why it comes first, so to say, in our, in our sight and in our understanding, it's the same idea of the shell and the fruit. The shell comes first and then the fruit. So too, for us, we understand. We see the physical heavens and the earth and through that we can understand the spiritual counterpart in the spiritual worlds. The idea of an analogy and an analog. So we see this whole idea of the analogies coming first in order to express the intellectual concept behind it. And even though once you're done with the analogy, you don't need it anymore, you can throw it away just like the shell. So now we're returning to the question that we had in the previous page. We asked that in the Merkava, the Yechezkel saw in his vision of the Divine Chariot, um, when he's describing the Merkava, he first starts with describing the Klippes. And from amidst the Klippes, he saw a type of Chashmal, and so we said that before Yechezkel saw the holy chariot, uh, first he prefaced uh, to see the the four different levels of Ruach, Sayyid of Anangodlo, Eishon, which are the three Gimel Klippas of Timaeus, the three unholy Klippas, and then Neiga, the neutral Klippa, Klippas Neiga. And then from amidst that, he saw the holy chariot. So we ask the question, for the, for the sake of this whole prophecy, it didn't, it, the only thing that was necessary for Yechezkel to see was the, the holy chariot. And why was he shown these four klipes? And only from amongst those klipes he was able to see the, the holy chariot. And then we went on to the whole explanation that first the shell comes before the fruit, and that's the only way that the fruit can properly grow. So now we, according to this, we'll understand why Yechezkel when he saw his vision of the divine chariot, he saw it through only through uh, the, uh, the enclosement of this divine chariot into the four klipes. And from amongst those four klipes, that's where he saw the holy divine chariot. Because, like we just said, from the very beginning onset of creation, the rule is that the klipa always, the shell always comes before the fruit. Therefore, when Hashem was revealed to Yechezkel, he saw like the regular order of the levels of creation. First, he saw the klipa, the four klipas uh, that are described in the verses, the and only afterwards did Yechezkel merit to see the actual fruit in the godliness behind, so to say, the veil of the klipas. However, why in the first place is it like this? From why did Hashem make it like this in the first place? Shia klipa called the that the shell should come before the fruit. We understood now that is the rule in general in creation, and that is how everything grows. So the shell grows before the fruit, and how the analogy in order to understand the analog, etc. When you want to ask a request from a person, you first have to do the sweet talk, etc. So always the thing which is tough will comes before the ikr. But why did Hashem decide to make it like that? An Indian who the explanation is dehine. According to the explained before, Peter called The explanation of what it means that the the shell comes before the fruit means it comes before in 
time-wise, and the time actually grows before the actual fruit. That the growing of the shell prefaces comes before in time to the fruit. But there's another explanation of this idea of the prefacing of the of the shell to the fruit. We're talking about here not just a, a prefacing in time, but a prefacing meaning a coming before in level, a higher level. Meaning that the shell actually it prefaced, meaning it comes from a higher source and it's actually on a higher level than the actual fruit. But the fact that we see it as a shell, which is something secondary to the fruit, is because the godly energy uh, which enclosed within that shell fell into it in a way it, it descended into that shell in a way of falling, in a way of breaking, like the idea of uh, the world of Toyu, which the godly sparks fell into the physicality, which the idea of falling is that there is no direct connection between the place where the godly sparks fell to and that which they fell from. When something falls, it's not like a planned thing that you're, you're it's not like a planned water fountain. It's like if something fell from its place. There's no, there was no connection from the, the thing, the place where it fell to where it fell. There's no direct connection and it wasn't planned. So too, the godly energy, even though the godly energy within the um, shell, kadma, it comes from a higher source than the actual godly energy which is in the fruit. But since this, this divine energy descended into the shell in a way of shvira and nefila, in a way of breaking and falling, meaning in a way where you don't feel the direct connection to its source, that's why it seems like it's a secondary thing. It seems like it's on a lower level than the actual fruit. Because the source of the shell, who, I mean, the source of the shells and the klipes in general, the unholy klipes which conceal godliness, is actually comes from the spiritual world called toyu of chaos, which actually prefaces, meaning came before, meaning has a higher source in the world of tikkun, of fixing the world, um, which is basically the difference between toyu and tikkun is the world of chaos, toyu, is that there is a, a revelation of the infinite energy of Hashem, unlimited energy of Hashem, and therefore it caused chaos, meaning the vessels of that world were not able to contain the intensity of that divine energy, and therefore there was a breaking of the vessels and the shattering of the vessels, whereas the world of Tikkun is after that shattering, it was already fixed, and now there is the divine energy revealed there is limited now, and therefore the vessels, that are, which are also limited, can contain that energy, it's not too intense for them, and therefore, there's, uh, there's usually there's the idea of iskalos of inclusive, inclusiveness in the world of Tikkun, whereas in Toyu, each sphere is too intense, for, and it's an, each sphere's own existence is too intense and cannot tolerate the other sphere. And that's the world of Toyu. And then, so, the source of the klipes comes to the world of Toyu, which has this intense, unlimited energy of godliness, whereas the world of Tikkun is a more limited and diminished level, uh, revelation of godliness, and therefore the that's why it's called the world of fixing, whereas everything's fixed and everything, that which was wrong in, t- in Toyu, which the vessels weren't able to contain the, the light, is fixed now in Tikkun. But the divine energy, which is in the world, which enlivens the Klippes, even though it comes from the higher level, being that it fell and it came it invested within the Klippa by way of falling, so to say, and shattering, like I just explained, therefore you don't recognize that, that sublime divine source because it came into that into the klipes in a way where you don't feel the direct connection to its source. When we call makim shorshim kodum, nevertheless, still, the source of the klipes, the source of divine energy, which is included in the klipes, is kodum, is prefaces, meaning it's on a higher um, spiritual level. And that's why also 
physically the physical shell comes comes first also in time and they're in the sprouting and the growing of the physical shell even before the fruit because of the spiritual source of the klipa of the spiritual klipa is, is on a higher level than the actual fruit so to explain this idea <clears throat> the fact that not only is the klipa the shell comes before the pre the fruit in time the growing but also in the spiritual source of the klipa comes from the world of Tayu, which is a more intense, unlimited energy, whereas the fruit comes from the world of Tikkun, which is a more limited energy of godly energy, which is able to be contained by the limited vessels. And But the reason why we don't see it down here is because the way that the energy comes down is not in a direct um, chain-like descent, but in a way of falling, meaning that there's no direct connection between the source of that energy and how it comes down. So a beer, a beer in so explanation of the idea is Amr Razal, Mishnah Perikeh the Avis, the sages say, chapter five of Pirkei Avis, the ethics of our fathers, Asadodidis me Adam ad Noach. There are ten generations from Adam the first man until Noach. Noah v'chein Asadodidis me Noach v'Adam Avram. And similarly, there were ten generations from Noach until Avram. The idea come at a chapaim the front of Chul to in order to let everybody know how much how patient Hashem is. That even though all those generations were making Hashem angry and serving idols and going away from the paths of Hashem, nevertheless he did not um, he did not punish them. Oh, Peter Shvi'inyan Erechapaim. So, what is this idea of the Erechapaim, the Hashem's patience? He uh, nixiv. So, the the verse says to explain this idea of Erechapaim, the patience that Hashem has for all the generations. He didn't he didn't uh, punish them. He nixiv toyu. It says in the verse that the the earth was desolate. The earth was empty. It was chaos. And also the sages say, so at the beginning of creation it says, that the earth was chaos and emptiness. And also the sages say that there was 2,000 years of of chaos. We have to understand what is this idea of this wording of of chaos. So the sages say, These 26 times, which David Melech, King David says, For your kindness is everlasting. In the famous Halla Godl, in the prayer in, in Tehillim, uh, that we say um, all these 26 times about the kindnesses that Hashem has done for us. Uh, they split the sea, they took us out of Egypt, they smite the firstborns, etc. First kindness everlasting. We say this on Shabbos, davening, and Shachris. So the sages say that those 26 times we say, for your kindness is everlasting, that David Melech said, regarding who did David Melech say those, um, for your kindness is everlasting, this is parallel, this is referring, referring to the 26 generations that were from the time of the first man of Adam until the giving of the Torah. There were 26 generations and the sages finished off that in those 26 years, the all the Jewish people and the world in general in general was was nourished from the kindness of Hashem. That even though, obviously, even though those generations were not worthy of existing because they weren't following Hashem's path. Like we said from Pirkei Avis, that the Hayyub they were constantly making Hashem angry by going away from Hashem. Nevertheless, Hashem still did not punish them and kept them alive. And that's why David Melech said these 26 times for your kindness is everlasting, your kindness, referring to this kindness of this 26 generations, even though they weren't going in the path of Hashem, still Hashem was patient with them and kind with them. And they were nourished by and kept alive just from the 
unlimited kindness of Hashem. So, for behold, concerning the Torah, it says that the sages say, The Torah comes out from the Chachma. The Torah comes out from the wisdom of Hashem, the supernal wisdom of Hashem. And it's known that according to this wisdom of the Torah, according to Hashem's wisdom, and how Hashem set up basically creation, there has to be the merit of a person's fulfilling Torah in order for the world to exist. There has to be teremitzis in order for the world for it to exist. That's how Hashem set up, the, according to His divine wisdom, has set up creation and the order of things. Um, that's why the Torah says, that if you go in my, uh, the ways, if you go in my statutes, and you guard my, you keep my commandments, then it says, I will give my the rain in the right time. Meaning, Everything, all of existence is dependent on us fulfilling Terimitzis. So, and obviously, in that parsha talks about all the things opposite. If we don't go in the ways of Hashem, all, then there will be all the, the um, curses. But, however, these 26 generations from first man, Adam, until the giving of the Terimitzis, in those generations, they were transgressing the will of Hashem. Like it says, about those generations that then they started calling out in the name of Hashem, which is referring to them calling out in the names of idols, and also the generation of the of the flood, which were horrible, the going in the Hamas, uh, they were stealing from each other, and the generation of dispersion, which built the Tower of Bavl, and they were trying to rebel against Hashem. All those generations were going against and transgressing the will of Hashem. So, if so, like we just said, that in order to exist, in order to be nourished and sustained by God, you have to have this, the merit of Terimitzis. If so, they weren't they weren't going um, according to Hashem's will. From where was there given to them the the influx of, of energy of life of life with such a great um, abundance of life. That they lived very long, first of all, in those generations, hundreds of years, and also Chaim Shalteva in good years, not just long years, but horrible, you know, years of pain. No, they lived good years. So how did they have such good long life and good years if the Torah says clearly that you could only have this good life and life in general if you follow in my statutes? So this is what the sages say, we just brought before, that in those 26 generations, they were only nourished and given life because of the unlimited kindness of Hashem, the pure, pure kindness of Hashem. That it was drawn down to them an abundance of of good of goodness from the kindness of Hashem. A unlimited free kindness, so to say, a um, baseless kindness with for no reasoning. Even though did it make sense that they should have this kindness and this energy and this life? Because they didn't deserve it, because they weren't going in the ways of Hashem, according to Hashem's wisdom, how He set up the creation, I have to go according to the Torah in order to get the life. But in that in those twenty six generations, it was a, for your kindness is everlasting. They were just sustained by the unlimited, baseless, so to say, kindness of Hashem, which transcends Hashem's wisdom and Hashem's um, understanding, meaning it transcends the natural, the regular nature of uh, how things work in creation. This is referring to the level of 
Rav Chesed, different, there's always, there's different levels of Hashem's uh, influx of, of kindness in the world. Rav Chesed, abundant Chesed refers to the Chesed which totally transcends limitation. The Chesed which transcends the train of creation. And that level of kindness where it totally transcends the rules of creation, darkness and light are exactly the same or equal. There is no difference between darkness and light. There is no difference between good and bad. And there is no importance whatsoever to good or bad. This is above still the rules of creation. Creation and good and bad only start with from the Chachm of Hashem, from the, when, when basically when you come down to the limitations of creation. Before that, there is no definitions of good, bad, light, darkness. And that is where this level of the kindness of Hashem is stemming from, from the level which totally transcends all these rules. Like it says in If you will sin, if you sin, what, what have you affected in Him, in Hashem? And if you have many, many transgressions, what does that do to Him? What is that, how does that affect Hashem? If you have also acted kindly, what are you giving to Hashem? What does that affect Him also? Um, um, what, um, what from your hands can He take? Meaning, anything you do in your hands, anything you do, good deeds you do with your hands, what does that matter? What does He take from that? Hashem is totally uh, unlimited and totally above uh, transcends all of our limited actions in creation. So anything we do down here has no effect when we're talking about Hashem, how He totally transcends all the rules of creation. Because before Hashem, who totally transcends all limitation and all definitions of anything, uh, darkness is the same as light, like like the same as light. Like the verse says in Tehillim, two chafs, like darkness, light, light. Which, what does that mean? With two chafs. As explained, look at the teda and the mimer entitled Matzazu and the note, which explains there that it could have said that darkness is like light. Before Hashem, even darkness is not dark. Even darkness, he sees through that. There's no such thing as concealment. Nothing can hide Hashem from Hashem's perspective. Only from our perspective, we see dark. We see um, concealment of godliness. That is what it would mean if there was just one chaf on the chashecha Darkness, even darkness before Hashem is like light. There's nothing that conceals Him. But when it says, the verse says, like darkness, light, light, that implies that not only is darkness like light to Hashem, but even light is like darkness to Hashem. Meaning, the greatest revelations of godliness are nothing compared to Hashem. Meaning, all these different definitions of dark and light, they all don't exist before Hashem, how He totally transcends creation to the level of God, how He totally in his, is in His essence before all these rules started, so to say. Um, now we go back to what we said, and the from Pirkei Avis, how much Hashem had such great patience, which literally means a long face, but implying patience, um, that Hashem was able to have such patience, even though they were doing such horrible things and going against Hashem's will. Meaning to the people of these 26 generations that were transgressing Hashem's will, it was drawn down from Hashem's patience, which is referring to the level of this chesed chinam, this unbounded kindness, this baseless kindness which transcends all of the rules of creation. On that level, which transcends creation, the 
service of man, what man does in this world, does not take up any space at all. It's not important at all. If it's good or if it's bad, there's it's, this is a level which totally transcends good and bad. That's why, since they were getting that revelation, that drawing down, that influx of energy from that unlimited level of kindness of Hashem, the Erech the long face, referring to basically the Rav Chesed, the unlimited kindness of Hashem, that's why they had such long lives then, because they were getting that revelation of that energy, that divine energy, which is totally unlimited. It's transcending the chain of creation. And also, going to the next page, the influx of their energy that they received, their, their life, in the three categories, main categories of life, a physical life, which is children, life, and sustenance, and parnasa, they all they had it in a great abundance. without, not according to the regular calculation of things, how Hashem set up creation that usually you have to have this chus of teremitzis, and that's how you get good abundance of physical blessing. But they, even though they were going against Hashem's will, they had a great abundance of all physical matters. Uh, not according to the regular calculation of things. Being that, the source of their influx of energy that they were receiving, the source of this life force, this, God, this divine energy that they were receiving in those 26 generations was, came from the level of the long face, referring to the level of the unlimited Baseless, so to say, kindness. The kindness which totally transcends, transcends all logic, which is above the logic of Atzilus, above the divine wisdom of the Torah. It's above yet the definitions of good and bad. And that's why they received without any calculation if, if this is good, if this is bad, if they were good or bad, because they were receiving that unlimited level, which transcends still the definitions of good and bad. I'll stop there. Two lines at the top of page Kuflamid Zayin.